Radio TFS, episode number 135. This is Greg Duncan. This is Josh Garverick. And this is Martin Woodward. Gentlemen. Well, it's good to be back. Absolutely. And just a week after the last show as well. This is crazy. We're almost like really off the cadence there. Yeah. And we're, but we're off a day. Again, my fault, because we had uh, doctor's appointments yesterday. But uh, uh, we got a great guest. I'm, I'm excited. And hopefully all you out there are excited to, to hear this too. Um, so, Martin, what have you been up to? So, um, yeah, I've been working on uh, springing to DevOps. Have you heard about this yet? Yeah. I, I, matter of fact, I read your post. Oh, there we go. So basically, <laughs> um, you know, like lots of us are doing a bit of agile, you know, or what we might call agile to the various different degrees, try our best anyway. Lots of us have done continuous integration now, definitely build automation and proper continuous integration and getting better at it. Heck, we're, we're all thankfully using uh, source control now, I'm glad to see. Though so, uh, in the Stack Overflow post, it was quite frightening to see that people were still doing zip archives into a folder more often than the using Clearcase. But there we go, you know, uh, at least TFS was up there along with uh, Git, so that's good to see. But um, yeah, so but the thing is, um, what I've noticed with all the customers I speak to is like deployments to a manual thing it's like with you know the radio tfs website greg it, it's still <laughs> manually deployed and we can't like like i've forgotten how to do it it's kind of hard we're yeah. quite quite frightened by it and because of that we just don't and so we have like a link to the zoom rss feed and all sorts of craziness and links that are out of date just because we're too frightened to touch it basically and that that's not that's not uncommon when you go out and talk like I know I feel terrible about it and I'm going to re- try and rewrite it this month when I'm off on vacation but um that's that's the thing that that you see it all all around and if the people are off who do deployment then deployments don't happen quite often so what I, what we thought would be cool is to kind of hey it's spring you know you want to do some spring cleaning so rather than spring clean why not spring into devops and kind of would sort of make this a regular thing hopefully but this year we wanted to focus on uh, continuous integration and continuous deployment and try and encourage everybody to now's the time to actually bite the bullet and try and you know try and automate your deployment a bit yeah it'd be awesome if you get to full-on cd so you can do magic and magic happens live on your website and whatever you want but it might be maybe you just want to you know script it a bit more or you know automate it a bit more get better and get faster at releasing stuff into production so then you can start completing that that virtuous loop of you know writing a feature getting it into production seeing how it actually works and then fixing it and iterating so that's the plan spring into devops we've got a bunch of podcasts happening this is one of them uh don at rocks guys are on board runners radio guys are on board we've got some webcasts happening we've got lots of in-person events and we've got you know lots of blog posts going out on the ALM blog and elsewhere as well if people want to get involved then um just let us know use the uh, spring into devops hashtag on twitter and um let us know about an event you're having or let us know about a blog post you've done or whatever but just let us know even just even if you automate your you know, you do a delivery, then send us a screenshot of something happening and, and, and tell us that on the hashtag as well. Anything you can do. So, yeah, that's kind of the plan. What do you think? Sounds good. Sounds good. Cool. Josh, and then, go ahead. Yeah, it's, sorry, just as part of that, I did a, um, I did a meetup as well recently over at um, 
in Belfast this week. So that was quite good fun. In the, so the Belfast University, Queen's University, they've had a new computer science facility, um, which opened the day after I was speaking there. So um, I got, I, it was like, for, you know, in, got to use all these brand new facilities for the first. It was great, amazing projector, and it was just awesome. So I had, had a good time. So, you know, shout out to the local Donna Developers Guild, and I'll, I'll be back. Awesome. Looking at the picture of it now, and look, everybody's like awake and engaged. Yeah, it was early on. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, what have you been up to, man? Well, uh, as Martin's springing into DevOps, I'm falling back to Brownfield. Um, hey! <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I had to make a fallback joke. Uh, so still very much going through the the Azure conversion that I mentioned, I think, a few shows ago. Uh, that's still a thing. And uh, going through some, some fun times converting TFBC to Git. Um, I think we're finally at a point now where things are are at a mutual understanding and, and things are stable, which is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were some uh, misfirings, not by anything that was, uh, you know, tooling related or anything like that, but just some, some uh, understanding issues and things like that. But uh, it's, it's been an interesting ride the past few weeks. And it's, it's also contributed to my delinquency from the regular recording of this show. Are you guys, did you take uh, the, the Git with history or is it just the latest? Oh yeah. Yeah. We did the whole thing. With uh, history. Yeah, they wanted top to bottom the entire, you know, six plus years of history, all the branches, all the feature branches. Um, there were long the feature branches from three years ago that people still wanted to retain. So there's all kinds of crazy stuff in there. So not since the last show, but recently we've just brought um, this little product on in Microsoft onto Git. Uh, called Windows, you might have heard of it, <laughs> and um, yeah, so all you know, thou- all the thousands of developers in the Windows team have moved from 27 or so source depot repositories all into one Git repository. So that's been exciting times, and it's gone remarkably smoothly so far. Not a ridiculous amount of data being transferred around, but um, what's been particularly interesting, Josh, is that the difficulties have been like mostly it's been around, you know, right? How does Git work? You know, and those sorts of questions, and we've had lots of training and stuff, but that that tends to be where most of the questions are coming from, which is which is good. Yeah, absolutely. I'm in the same boat there with respect to that. So cool. How about you, Greg? Did you have a go with those REST APIs? Yeah, I did. As a matter of fact, it was it was you know you, you turned me on to the the build v2 REST APIs. I'm thinking, okay, how am I going to consume it? I had mentioned in the show, I think Excel does it. Well, you know what? That I'm going to have to write up this as a blog post because it's wow. almost magical. And uh, Excel 2016, on the data tab, there's a get and transform group. Don't go to the first one that has that always been there for forever about getting data. Go to the second group, get and transform. You can call a REST API with the different parameters, especially, you know, for, for the gets. In short, I was able to get all my builds narrow it down to only my nightlies and then you know group them by completed and failed for the scheduled builds not the not the uh, manually ones just the scheduled ones and, and i get my report that way and it's all in excel and it's an active query so i go into a right mouse click and refresh and the data gets updated automatically no code at this point i can do it in 10 minutes now i showed a uh, rod who has been uh, calling us uh, emailing us before, Rod Falenga. Uh, mm-hmm. Rod is asking the same question. How do I search team room, search the discussions and see all the posts in the team room? And I pointed it, I said, you know what? Take Martin's tip. Use, there is a REST API for it, which we'll have in the show notes. Uh, it lists all the rooms and all the messages in the room. 
up to like 30 days or I think 500 messages. There is a certain limit on the number. Of them. But it, basically, I was able to get that in Excel and use all the power of Excel to search through and, and look at them all. It, it was. It literally blew my mind. This JSON stuff might catch on. Yeah, I mean, and it pivots the JSON and, and everything for you. Yeah, you know, so you can see the That's records, crazy. and then you can expand it, so it pivots it. So it's, it, it's just awesome. Come on, I seriously? definitely want to see a blog post. That's cool. What? That's are, amazing. Are you, are you questioning my developer chops that I used Excel? I, I am not. Code? <laughs> I'm not. I'm marveling at the the majesty that is your skill. <laughs> With a pivot table. Uh-huh. It was awesome. Okay. And, and Oscar, my, my partner in crime, I showed it to him, and he thought it was awesome too. So shut up. It's cool. <laughs> All right. So, right then, should we introduce our guest? Absolutely. Um, first, Gopi, can you pronounce your full name for us? Okay. My full name is Gopinath Chigakagari. And if you actually see, you know, the social security forms, passport forms, you know, there is a still, you know, extension to it. It never fit. My full name never fits into the, any of these forms. <laughs> it just always yeah, has to overflow, like, overflow it, those boxes. And whenever I go to the Starbucks, I just tell them, you know, because the long name, I just tell them Gopi. So people call me Gopi. <laughs> All right. Well, let me read your bio here real quick to introduce you to the world, or at least our little slice of it. Uh, Gopi has been working at Microsoft for the last 18 years. Interesting, interestingly. For all of those 18 years, he's been working on various developer products in the developer division. He's worked on Java for .NET, Visual Studio for mobile, Silverlight, Core Visual Studio, and Visual Studio Team Services. Currently, he's working as a group program manager for the release management in Visual Studio Team Services. His technical interests are the cloud, developer tools, and recently DevOps. Gobi graduated with a BE in computer science? Bachelor's in engineering. There you oh, go. Okay. Uh, in computer sciences and MTech at IIT Bombay. On a personal side, he's married, got two kids, and loves playing tennis. Uh, Gopi, welcome to the show. Thank you. This is my first show. I'm super excited. <laughs> well, you'll be back, I'm sure. We can't let that pass, though, without Java for .NET. So did you work with Brian Keller on that? Was he yes, I did. That's crazy. <laughs> I did. You've been around a long time. Yes. <laughs> Wow, that that that's a good one. And uh, Visual Studio for mobile, yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah. How, and how long have you been on the Visual Studio Team Services team? Uh, more than now two years. Wow, brilliant. Yes. And which area in particular do you uh, do you look after? So currently, I'm owning all the release management. The part that Martin, you were talking about, continuous deployment, continuous delivery. That's yep. the part that we want to make it super easy for every customer. That's crazy. Sounds like we've got the right man on the show, Greg. <laughs> yep. Yes. Should, should we go through the Should we go through the news to begin with, and then we'll get in and have a chat with Gopi? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and the first item is we've talked about this service on the show a number of times, and well, it, it's it, it's it's done. It's dead, Jim. We're shutting down CodePlex. Uh, how do you feel? I don't. Well, I, I, let's break it down. Yeah. How do you feel, first of all, about Coplex going away? And how do you feel about the. So, Brian Harris blogged about the plan, which is basically it goes, uh, you can't create new projects, then the projects are going to go read only, um, and then there's going to be a static archive of the projects available on coplex.com in the future um, for, for as long as we can foresee right now. 
And um, between now and then, as a project owner, you can go in and say, hey, my project's redirected to Blah. And we've, they've partnered with GitHub to have a, a migration tool between Coplex to GitHub. So, yeah, that, that's a rough plan. So how, do, how are you feeling? Mixed emotions? Uh, mixed. Uh, you know, it's either, and I think we've, I've said it before, either invest it and fix it or, or make it go away. And the decision looks to be to make it go away. I like the plan that they're not just nuking it. Um, they're giving a lot of, you know, a lot of warning, you know, in October it goes read only. So it's got like, it's not like it's happening next, next week. It's got a lot of time, but I really do hope when they do that light read only version that they keep the URLs, at least to the project level. I, I hope they don't redo all the URLs because that would break. Yeah, all the, the plan is, the it. plan right now is to keep the URLs at the project level, uh -huh. but, um, but below that, like some deeper links just might redirect up to the project is what I last heard. Okay, good. That that works. That works for me. Uh, mm -hmm. I think it's ironic that it's going to GitHub. I, I saw that and I'm in back of my mind when I'm saying, well, when is Microsoft buying them? <laughs> but then I thought about, well, no, that would probably be interesting. I don't know if Microsoft could or should even just because so many of the Microsoft competitors have their code base there too. And maybe it's good to have them out separate. I don't know. I, I, I just thought it was interesting. Now, what I really would actually like though is guidance on moving it to VSTS. I've got private, you know, uh, repositories on VSTS. I'd like to actually move my code there. Um, so we, well, one of my, um, one of my stories later on, in fact, do you want to, should we move off Coplex? I can go straight into that and give you the answer if you wish. Yeah, please. So, um, Brian and Harry blogged about, uh, uh, an update on March 29th that's rolling out. So as we speak, it's rolling out right now still. And, um, it's got various different features in it and sort of Brian was talking about some of them and there are lots of improvements, you know, we've, we've improved the, um, the pull request filtering, we've done a lot of stuff around uh, tags in Git. We've um, done some stuff around the TFPC change set and shell set pages. Notice TFPC is still getting improvements as well as Git. <laughs> I was um, but, but, uh, and then, you know, a bunch of other things, email, conditional build tasks, incredibly important. You know, so basically run this task when such and such a thing happens. And I guess, Gopi, you, your team was probably involved in that as well, because I imagine that has implications when it comes to release management as well, does it? Yes, yes. So it's been, you know, do this if this happens. So that's incredibly important. Um, in fact, you know, just Martin, one more thing. I think that's what we are recommending people. If you want to do a rollback, if your deployment fails, use the condition task and then try to roll back. That's magic. I never even thought about that. That's a great idea. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, there you go. Cool. That's a yeah. I never even thought about that. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I like it. Um, and then there's other stuff as well, like the continuous delivery in Azure Pool supports any Git repo. Um, max, you can when you're doing deployments, you can set the maximum number of parallel deployments, which we should talk about as well. Go be in a bit. Um, but yeah, a, a bunch of stuff. Brian was like, oh, nothing really stands out. I was like, what are you on about? Loads of stuff there. But um, the one that that stood out for me as well is. Um, is the team have built some new functionality to import from TFVC to Git. Now, this allows you, this is an, if you go to the little bit in your code window and you click on the drop down, you can do import repository. And you know now you can have Git and TFVC repositories in the same team project. They're just right. in that little drop down. What you can do, what you've been able to do for a little while is import a Git repository. And so you go, you click on the little drop down, you click on import repository, and you can say import Git repository. And you can just point it at your public, GoPack, your public 
codeplex git if it's a git repo that is anyway um y- url and it'll just bring it in equally if you if you've got a github one you want to bring in and have it you know work on a fork or whatever you can just import it there and it, it can be any git repository it just goes and pulls it you can even set up credentials if you need to pass credentials in so that's cool and then the feature that they've added in this sprint is um you can specify a team foundation version control repository to import into git so uh, josh this is something for you that's probably annoying but it wouldn't it wouldn't have done for what you need to do um but for a majority of people it's quite good and basically you tell it uh, the tfvc repository and the path you want so maybe you only want to bring in like the main branch um, or maybe you want to bring in everything, and then um, how many, how much history you want to bring with it as well. So maybe like 180, up to 180 days, and then it does the import. There are some limitations to it. It won't, it won't do your import if your repo is going to is 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 bigger than a gig. You know, it kind of makes sure that it's not going to be too big when it comes over as a Git repo. Um, and it does some other little bits and bats. But yeah, it works um, really well. And you can run it multiple times. So say if you wanted to run, you know, if you wanted to split a big TFEC repository into some smaller Git repos, then you can do that. And it does it all on the server. No need to install Git TF or Git TFS. Um, yeah, and you just do it. So it's not good for the complex ones, but for the simple migrations, you can just do them now all on the server, which is pretty amazing. So but back to the question on the CodePlex. Though. What if I've got a CodePlex TFVC repository that I want to move? A CodePlex TFVC repository, and you, you want it to come with history? Yeah. Uh, go, go use Martin Hinshelwood's tool, probably, I would imagine. Yeah. All right. Josh, what do you have? Do you have any news? I think it's probably me next, Greg, on the Team Explorer update, but I'll just quickly jump in on that one. Okay. <laughs> just on the so on Team Explorer, just to just to say as well, as well as releasing the new version of the server, we have done a new version of Team Explorer with a bunch of updates, um, along with uh, Visual Studio 2017. But more interestingly, possibly to some of the people on here, uh, the um, Team Explorer as a separate uh standalone installer is now available so if you just want team explorer installed because you that's all you want because you want people to be able to do some tfvc stuff or some tfs stuff or whatever um then you can go install that now so there you go very I'll cool speak now josh sorry <laughs> <laughs> thanks <laughs> um I, greg as a matter of fact i do have something to cover. um so Leif Lowe has a post out there that covers Donovan Brown's address at VS Live Las Vegas and deals a lot around uh, Microsoft's DevOps goals, which is any language and any platform. Um, Donovan's obviously a, a great friend to all of us here on the show and, and, and elsewhere. And uh, his human generators that will stand up an entire CI/CD pipeline for any language that you want using any IDE, using... Um, you know, all with VSTS stuff, it's it's fantastic. And and this article from Laferly uh, talks about the the interesting aspect that you know Microsoft is all in on all platforms and in all languages. So uh, good, quick read. Cool. Another article from Rupesh, right? Did I pronounce that right, Martin? Rupesh. Yeah. Okay. Hey, um, then I want to get actually uh, your feedback on Agopi. It's the agent-based deployment and release management. In short, uh, this article talks or the post talks about a robust in-the-box multi-machine deployment that you can now orchestrate deployments across multiple machines, form the rolling updates while ensuring that high quality of the um, application throughout. So how, how, how long does it take to actually 
engineer and build something like this? Uh, we have been working on this little more than six months, a little more than six months on this project. And we're currently in private preview for this. So anybody who is actually interested, they can reach out to us, you know, either on the blog post or, you know, maybe later I'll share my Twitter account. You can reach out. We will enable it on your account and then we would like to get your feedback. The core part or the scenario or the problem we would like to solve is today when you are in an enterprise, you want to deploy, you know, to your production machines. Now, sometimes those production machines are super protected and then you do not want to give access to those machines to anybody. And you also want to automate your deployments to these production machines. Now, how do you achieve it? We have a tiny little agent that you can just install on it and you configure that agent to talk to VSTS. And once you configure it, VSTS automatically takes care of orchestrating your updates. Now, as part of these updates, we have a major feature called rolling updates and the help feature. Now, how do you, you know, what do you achieve as part of this? You do a simple deployment. Now, you know, you have 10 machines in that. You want to keep all the 10 machines live when the deployment is going on. So you can just pull out one machine at a time, bring it to the latest version, and add it back into the load balancer. All of this magic happens automatically with the feature that we are bringing in. Does it make sense? Absolutely. That, you're, you're talking about like my world because we have a, a, a private network that's firewalled and air-gapped from everything, every place else. And we want to de- use, uh, you know, agent-based deployment on it. And our IT guys are all like, well, you know, we'll give you a VM, but it's going to be really locked down. And, you know, uh, that's right. So this is actually, you just described my scenario. I think this is awesome. So can you have the agents run on-prem, even if you're talking to the SDS, Gopi? Yes, they can even run on on-prem. You don't need to expose any additional ports from the DMG because the model that we are doing here is a pull-based model. So essentially, agent is pulling your binaries, artifacts from VSTS and then you know configuring them. And does it run as a service or something? And is it the credential? So do you have to give permissions to the credential that the service runs as to be able to go be an admin on the box and stuff like yeah, that? Yes. So while you're configuring the agent, you need to just make it as an, you know, you have an option to run in an interactive mode or you can actually run it as a network service. Oh, cool. So it's just like setting up a build agent, really. It's yes. very similar to in the in the back end actually martin it is you know the code the binaries we just share the code between this agent and then the build agent genius <laughs> <laughs> yeah wow so does this sound interesting to you, Greg? Because you're moving to the cloud now, aren't you? Yeah. As a matter of fact, we just had a meeting this morning talking about how we're going to do it and how we're going to lay out our, our projects and, and that. Um, and that was one of my biggest concerns is that private client network. It, you know, and would IT let us, you know, what ports would we have to open up and that kind of stuff? And it's like, this is perfect. So you define a set of deployment groups. Is that right, Gopi? Yes. You you just, you know, first to create a deployment group inside, uh, you know, team services, and you mm-hmm. can add deployment targets. These deployment targets are the machines where you're actually, you know, installing or configuring this agent. And we act, if you're targeting from Azure or even if you are, you know, building it from VSTS, you can automatically provision our agent while bringing up the VM as well. We have it on the ARM template. There is an ARM VM extension that is available. You can include it. It will automatically provision and then bring up the agent as well. Very cool. And you, you sounds like it's something you might want to get enabled, Greg. Yeah. Yes. Anybody who is interested, you can reach out to me on my Twitter handle. We will enable on your VSTS account. We are currently in private preview. So, Josh, any tips on 
uh, managing a release pipeline? Well, there is one thing that you can do when you're when you're looking to trigger a release pipeline, but only in certain circumstances. And uh, Renee has a great post on how to do just that, triggering a release pipeline only for scheduled builds. So the use case here is you've got a CI build that will run, obviously, whenever you check in anything, but you want to run a scheduled build and deploy later on. And uh, Renee walks through how exactly to set that up using build tags and even leveraging the REST API to insert those build tags into uh, tag a build that was set up to be scheduled as uh, a manual build. And further into the post, he covers the release definition and actually setting up the trigger to be uh, an artifact source from a specific branch with that specific tag. So it will only do continuous deployment when you have uh, something that matches all of those conditions. So anytime those builds get tagged, those will be the only ones that that actually trigger the release. And I had to learn about tags when I was doing this whole build reporting I was telling you about. I didn't, I didn't, it took me a while to grok that they are actually at the build. I kept thinking that the build definition would, you'd be able to tag stuff there and then that would like flow down to the build. I, I mm-hmm. didn't realize you actually had to go to the build and add the tag. But this would allow me to basically create a, a script to auto-magically tag those builds. Absolutely. Uh, that's it's the stuff cool. of legends. And you can do a lot of crap with this. I mean, with it, there's a cool feature within um, the build screen where you can search by tags. But if you're not doing the tags, then it doesn't add a lot. But if you do this, you can do a lot with the tag. And that's pretty nifty. Mm-hmm. I so I had another one as well, kind of related to the um, the whole spring into DevOps thing. Uh, the ALM Rangers did a blog post um, this week around, hey, this is me talking about a Rangers. Crazy. It should, it should be great. <laughs> well, the uh, the Rangers did a blog post. Uh, let, me, let me just uh, – and it was all about um, how to implement feature flags and do A-B testing and stuff. And it, it was a good kind of general roundup about the feature flag approach in general, which I quite enjoyed really, you know, and these are the different things you can use and these are the different ways you can use it. So it's worth reading if you want to take a look at, you know, basically why do you care about feature flags? Um, most of the time it's because you want to, you know, you, you want to be paying that integration debt all the time um, and you don't want to be, you don't want to be building it up. You want to be continuously integrating. Um, how do you do that with big teams? Well, feature flags is one approach, but there's some more reasons why you might when you use them as well. And in that, um, uh, they talk about um, different solutions, you know, for for doing feature flags. And one of them, if you're doing like, if you don't want to build, if you want to buy versus build, then you can go use a product called Launch Darkly, which is feature flags as a service. And actually, it's part of Spring into DevOps. Going to have a webcast from the Launch Darkly folk to kind of explain more about that. Um, but in the .NET side, there's a cool open source project called Feature Toggle. And this week, um, they announced that Feature Toggle actually runs on .NET Core now as well. Jason Roberts posted about that. So, yeah, I thought that was some cool stuff and related to Spring to DevOps, which is great. <laughs> you know, I've been preaching at, at all my uh, uh, sprint planning sessions, you know, a definition of done and that you can't, you know, release a feature unless it's done. And they, they asked me, well, how, how do we, you know, do half the feature? I, man, I've been preaching feature flags. Oscar, you know it. You've been at those meetings. Uh, until I'm kind of like blue in the face and everybody looks at me as they walk by and they're like, feature flag, feature flag, feature flag. <laughs> <laughs> like, shut up. Um, and I've been preaching for not writing it ourselves. Mm-hmm. That's just, it adds no true value to our business, the line of business applications we're creating. And there's so many other 
options. It's a bit like a logging framework. Would you would you write your own logging framework nowadays? No. Right. Um, so why why do your own feature flag framework? But there we go. So this post. Hey hey Gopi. So feature. Yeah yeah exactly. Feature flags are sort of one of these things that are quite common in in the DevOps world, but. DevOps really been it's kind of been kind of changing changing how IT works really isn't it it's 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 a big a big change that we're seeing oh yeah you know feature flags gets used extensively extensively in Microsoft and primarily in team services and you know that the feature you know initially gets talked about the deployment groups even that is under feature flags now I was just saying if you guys are interested reach out to me if you guys reach out to me all we do is we just flip a bet and then the entire feature will light up. Um, you know, for any account. And the key advantage or, you know, the reason why this is work out is, you know, we are now, everybody is working on a single master branch. Now you want the code flow to continuously continue with the latest bits that you want to have. The only way for you to achieve is every feature that you are building, hide it always under feature flag. Whenever you want, whenever you are good to go, you just turn it on for the customers for private preview and, once you're ready to go, you just remove the feature flag whenever you want to go for public preview. So in DevOps, it's a super, super important. It plays a fantastic role in helping productivity, in helping gaining you know, faster to market scenario. When this came up in one of my meetings, the developer says, well, we'll just comment it out. I smack my No, no. <laughs> uh, can you really? I guess you can. But I mean, everything that I see on DevOps, feature flags almost always, 99% of the time, seems to be mentioned. I'm not sure where I was going with that statement, but it, it, it's, we, we have to have to. So if you wanted to learn about like DevOps at a boot camp, where would you, where could you go, Mark? I was on mute then. Well, we, uh, interestingly, we have a lot of uh, boot camps happening this, this, this month. Um, a lot of, uh, there's, there's the Azure boot camps, which are coming up. We'll put a link into the show notes. But uh, Gobi, what would be your, what would be your kind of summary about what DevOps means to you and um, how it's helping the industry? Okay. There are you know, three are, uh, key reasons. I'll just talk about how it is helping the industry or you know, why, how we started adopting it, how we started changing it. If you guys know, if you guys have seen the TFS radio session before, we used to re- probably release TFS once in two years, once in three years. We have moved away from that stage by adopting DevOps to releasing our team services every three weeks. Every three weeks, the new features that get added. But in addition to that, we do daily deployments as hot fixes that are going to customers too. So this is, you know, this transformation is possible for us through DevOps. And it took us like roughly two years to achieve this transformation. Now, why do people want to adopt DevOps as we were just talking about agent-based deployments? No IT department would like to give you access to your production <laughs> machines, right? And, and you know, I'm sure, you know, all of you have got access to the production machines, you know, the file called web.config. You think you are just modifying web.config for your application, you modify it. Boy, there are three other applications that are broken, which you may not even know about it. And with continuous delivery, with automation you can at least solve some of these problems because everybody is aware of you doing this change you deploying this change is going to make sure that other applications continue to work that's one of the you know big changes no manual changes onto the production servers how do you do it you have to adopt devops and you have to have an automated continuous delivery solution that need to be available the second one i don't know you know how many people are looking at it there is a 
there is a puppet report that actually came out last year i'm sure you know they are uh, revising it this year too people the companies which are adopting devops they are doing 200 times more deployments than the people who are not adopting it that means their feature velocity is faster if you want to achieve faster feature velocity this is the way to go they are having more than 200 times and then they are doing uh, you know more than 3x reliability with respect to their deployments because everything is automated there are no manual flows so that's the other second motivation for probably you know for you to adopt and then take it forward the just third, to in there say quick gobies well on the stack overflow survey they they use they prove that you know a happy developer is a developer that ships <laughs> and that that all chimes with what we know you know it's it's nothing better than getting the code out running in production and getting to see customers using it and getting feedback so the more often you ship the more happy do your developers are and the easier it is to retain your developers as well so there we go oh yeah that's that's definitely fantastic we've definitely seen haven't it it's so much fun working on the you know on when you're deploying stuff all the time it's just great yeah i think devops has three i think people that people product and uh, process uh, you know if you want to keep happy people and then you know they want you to work in your teams for longer this is one way for you know your dev and ops team to collaborate more easily more better and and work together to ship features lot more faster so i interrupted you sorry the third thing can you even remember oh, what yeah. it was <laughs> the third thing sorry was about the competition right now everybody you know starts adopting some of these features and some of these transformations and if your competition is adopting the devops they are going to run super fast or you know faster than you and then achieve the goals that they want to uh, target for and you definitely need to watch out it looks like your competition probably is super far away when you just think about it we are ahead but you know the teams that are adopting this with the faster to market strategy with the faster to deployment strategy they can come very close to you you know in no time make sense martin yeah definitely hey gopi uh since we're talking about deployments and and releases and happy developers and all that good stuff uh what's new in release management uh aside from the stuff that we've already touched base on obviously uh what else is new in release management that that could help organizations get to that next level uh, so one of the a couple of you know key big things that you know we are trying to make release management is the first statement that you guys talked about any code any platform that's the vision that we are going after recently you know we have been always targeting lot more for making azure great and we started expanding and then supporting bunch of java related tasks as well right if people now want to build their java applications and then deploy their java applications we now have a first class end to end support you can use maven task to build your java applications or you can once your java applications is packaged you can target either the tomcat or you can use your jboss as your middleware servers and then deploy your applications safely and continuously that's you know one of the big features that we just added and you can actually go to the marketplace extensions you will find some of these extensions available there and on the same part of you know cross plat theme we are trying to expand to make lives easy for nodejs customers and containers containers we are seeing the adoption you know going up higher and higher we again have docker based container extension that is available for people to 
optimize their flow and use their container images as their artifacts because once people start adopting if it works on your dev box it is 100% going to work on your production box as well because the container image flows as is from your dev box to the QA environment to the staging environment to the production environment I, related to that because uh, my uh, partner crime oscar wanted me to ask about the docker uh, integration um is there, do you guys know, is there a publicly released plan to support Docker images within VSTS? Like there is definitely a plan that we are working on on it, Greg. Okay. On, you know, how do you automatically build everything in the Docker images directly instead of you using your own custom images? You can just go provision a VM, you just pass on your subscription information and then the Docker image, mm -hmm. we will use it to build it and we will use the same agent to deploy it. So no prerequisites, all prerequisites are you know included into the container image that will make people's lives super, super easy. So I got, I've got two questions for you. Uh, we're, we're coming up to, we're, we're at about 40-ish minutes in, and we kind of have to start wrapping up a little soon, but I, I, I've got to get... Um, a couple questions is uh, what do you think is like the coolest thing in release management? Every time you look at it, you, you just like get a shiver. It's like, oh, that's just so cool. Okay. So the end-to-end -end workflow automation with manual approval policies is the coolest thing, right? The DevOps is all about you want to automate, automate, automate. But boy, things are going to production, right? Tomorrow, it's, are you just going to get deployed? Do I have control on this automation you know can i automate end-to-end -end? do i have control on this automation is the coolest thing you can achieve end-to-end -end automation with the approval policy in our release management system so it gives you full flexibility it also gives you control agreed i love that that was that capability allowed me allowed me to sell release management to my um it and operations guy without that it wouldn't have, it would have been a no-go well that's a key differentiator isn't it between build an rm really you know because yeah. there, there, there's like this gray border between the two where does build automation end and release management begin but you know obviously that's one of the key key tenants is being able to actually have approval steps and things like that yep and different environments so my second question and i'm we're totally stepping on josh josh you know but you get the next one you get the last question so gopi one of the things that i'm trying to i'm having a really hard time wrapping my head around and explaining is the concept of what a vsts pipeline is how does that thing like really work and how does it work with release management and and how does it impact you do this multi-machine in parallel simultaneous how does that affect the pipelines that we buy on vst ah okay so you're asking the licensing most complicated questions complicated <laughs> answers okay and so, you only have three minutes to answer so. <laughs> okay. so the pipeline is a really simple concept right any pipeline is about whether you want to execute a automated build flow or an automated release flow these two, you know, any one of these is what we call it as pipelines. And anybody who actually reads our, um, uh, you know, documentation, they actually think, oh, if I have multiple pipelines and, you know, the multiple build definitions, multiple release definitions, you mean I need to buy that many number of, you know, pipelines for me to execute parallelly? No, you don't need, you know, the, the, the number of pipelines equals to number of build definitions or release definitions. Pipelines is a runtime thing. Build definitions and release definitions are the design time thing. 
if you buy three pipelines what it means is at any given point of time at any given point of you know a second you can always have three different either build or release pipelines running concurrently so that's what it means previously we used to you know license or charge people based on the agents that is number of agents that you want to run this gives you more flexibility in fact you know you will you can have any number of agents that are possible with the parallelism that you can do with the environments in a single pipeline assume you have three environments you can now have three agents with a single pipeline you can run your code on all these three agents in parallel so it gives you you know more flexibility and it is actually going to save you know money for you does it make sense greg yeah that that, that that actually does make a lot of sense and i'm going to be able to explain it much easier so it's that it's not the design time like you said it's not the definitions you have to worry about it's that simultaneously running of the definition so that one definition kicks off that takes a pipeline and that definition could be made up of multiple agents running on multiple machines all in parallel but they're still writing on that same one pipeline did i explain that right Yes, that's that's exactly it. yes. Okay, great. Uh, that I I love that. Yeah, it's it, it's a lot more cheaper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you can, if you want to speed up your build and you've got the resources, you could just throw lots of agents at it and try and parallelize it. And that's how it works on the test that we were talking about last week in the last show. When they were talking ah, about it all makes sense. The there tests. we go. It, all yeah. those ride on that one pipeline. All right, Josh. <laughs> Yeah, the last question is on you, my friend. Right on. Well, this is an easy one. Gopi, how can people find you and specifically to thank you for that awesome ex- explanation of pipelines and uh, anything else, really? Okay. So I am on Twitter. My Twitter ID is GopiNACH, GopiNACH. That's my Microsoft email alias. I'll say it again, G-O-P-I-N-A-C-H. C for Charlie, H for Harry. Fantastic. And we'll put a link in the show notes as well. Thank you, guys. This is awesome. Yeah, well, I really appreciate it. Now, let's, uh, I've got a couple of feedback items. Rod, we already yeah, talked feel about free, your email. You, you can feel free to drop off a call if you want, Gopi, if you need to run to a meeting. We're just right. going to wrap up some, with some feedback. Well, thank you All very right. much for being okay. on the show. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you, Gopi. Thank you very much. Thanks, Gopi. All right. So now we've got a couple of feedback items. Now we can talk all sorts. We can just go on for another half hour, 30 minutes. What do you guys think? Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> no? Josh, you, you're saying you have to, you have to do work? Stuick. I know, right? So <laughs> I'm so I just late. have to sleep, you know. So hey, sleep so wimps. Um, feedback. We had uh, two emails. Um, Rod, we already talked about yours. Thank you. I, I, I appreciate you listening. And, and Michael, Michael Sayal. We talked about him with the Wikipedia story and stuff. Um, I happen to be on a um, MVP. It's, it's called a PG Project Group Interaction. There's a call this week. They're talking about how to make product owners love VSTS. And he did a shout out. I don't think he realized I was on the call. And so it was just basically an honest shout out uh, that he's been listening to Radio TFS a lot. So, Michael, thank you for, for listening. I really appreciate that. Uh, you guys want to give us some feedback? You love us? You hate us? You wish I wouldn't talk so much or I wouldn't be talking out of my butt so much, making stuff up as I go along? Send us an email, radiotfs at outlook.com. We're on Twitter as well, at Radio TFS. We're on Facebook, radio slash Radio TFS. And voicemail, 1-425-233-8379. And if your voicemail is safe for work, we'll play it on the air and pretend to be like a pseudo guest host. Just make it safe for work. Uh, just leave us a voicemail and see if it even works. Say, hey, I'm so-and-so. I don't know if the voicemail, I guess I should call it. Kind of like my well, We get spam still, so it must do. <laughs> 
We get people trying to sell us payment protection insurance. Well, I know the radio. I know the email address works because yeah, uh, that spam is really interesting. Voicemail. Uh huh. Yes. If you really want to target an audience, you should make you should request a fax. <laughs> well, knowing our audience, they would they would spam our fax machine because you true. guys out there are just those kind of people to do that. Um. Well, I, gentlemen, I think that's a show. What do you guys? I tell you what, we could have. We'd have to go beyond a bit longer, couldn't we? In fact, that flew by. I think we've got a lot. we got a lot of stuff about RM we could talk about. So uh, yeah, it's all good stuff. Absolutely. I, I, I just well, and I'm thank you guys for letting me ask him that question about the pipeline. That was great. I'm sure the listeners out there like that. It's definitely. It's been a source of I think kind of confusion for a lot of people. I know that you know as soon as they cut over, I had some issues with that as well. Just kind of wrapping my brain around it. I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> When he when he explained it, I was like, "Why did I find that so hard to understand up until now?" <laughs> uh, and next show, because you, you guys know we're still live, right? We're still recording. Because mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I forgot that on another show, to let everybody know, thought we were all done. Um, we're going to have um, Richard Fennell and Rick. I forgot Ooh. your last name. Hepworth. They're going to be on the show on the nineteenth. That's going to be cool. It's about time we've had Mr. Fennell on, and we haven't had Rick on. Though. So yeah, we've got all these. We'll have all these English accents. You'll not know which one's me. <laughs> <laughs> um well i think i think they're tired of listening to us what do you got? never but it sounds good and do get, no excuses everybody okay go go automate your deployment so just even if it's just a little bit just for me please that'd be awesome and spring into devops there you go. Push it all right ladies and gentlemen again thank you all for listening and we'll see you next show here on radio tfs